So I know we mentioned the traditional digital, you know, meta, Instagram, Facebook ads. You mentioned influencer marketing. Is there anything else that you guys are doing that you don't see a lot of brands doing right now? Giving away all my secrets. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> should I charge for this stuff? Like, should, we should I start a marketing agency on the side? Today's guest is one of those people you're always wondering, how can they be this smart? Some of the things they say, some of the ideas they have, and how he's built his business is absolutely phenomenal. I'm talking about Ryan Babazian, who is CEO and co-founder of Jolie Skincare. What was just a showerhead to many people is actually a skincare company, and how Ryan built this brand in just less than two years to what will be one day a nine-figure exit is absolutely phenomenal to watch. We're blessed and honored to have Ryan here in flesh and excited to look at his journey and how he's building Jolie. Season two, chew on this. Episode one, we made it. We made it to season two. <laughs> Congrats, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, season one, we spent a lot of time going over what we built at Obvi, what are the steps we've taken to get through challenges, and literally got very tactical and gave a lot for people to chew on. Season two, I think we want to change it up a little bit. And for us, we believe there's so many people building in SaaS, so many people building brands. Um, and obviously, a lot of people have done a great job covering their origin stories. But what we feel like is missing is there's a lot and a lot of people talking about the challenges that these SaaS founders and brand builders are going through and what are they going to do next? Um, not just with these challenges, but even what's next up for them, right? And um, really excited because our, our our first episode, we're able to bring on Ryan Babenzian, um, right now serving as CEO and founder of Jolie Skin Co. And one of the biggest pieces for us has been brands that are being in a white space, building on its own, creating something that is super disruptive, um, and understanding what are they doing and, and how are they going to conquer the world next. Um, so Ryan, first of all, thank you so much for joining us and uh, would love for you to kind of kick off with a little bit of your origin story. Don't get too deep into it uh, because I'm sure it's on a hundred different podcasts out there, <laughs> but we'd love to have a, a little bit about what you've done and, and, and where you're planning to go with Jolie. Well, congrats on season two, for real. That's a big accomplishment getting ahead of that. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be number one, or for, not number one, sorry. Guest number one on season two. Um, origin story. Uh, I'll keep it brief, but I'll focus on sort of the founder landscape as opposed to the, where I was born and went to school. Um, I founded a, a digitally native sneaker brand called Greats, 2014. We were really one of the first to do it. Um, Bef even before Allbirds, or slightly before before Allbirds, we wound up selling that business to Steve Madden in 2019. Wow. Building that, you know, in the early stage of D2C, you know, v call it V1, was incredibly challenging. Not so much in the capital raising. There was a lot of money being invested in in anything D2C at that point. But people quickly learned that it wasn't really what it was all pitched out to be, and right. and things were evolving quickly, particularly on how you marketed how you found product fit. And it was a really eye-opening experience to build a mostly digital um, business that had a lot of sizes. And this was sort of a 
thing I was like trying to figure out, like how do you improve this on e-commerce? And it really sort of informed what ultimately became Jolie. So halfway through that journey around 2018, I started to think about all the inefficiencies of business in businesses that had sizes. So call it everything fashion and footwear, pretty inefficient on e-commerce. Um, especially as a new brand, people don't know what size they are, so they buy three and then they return one. This is expensive and inefficient. <clears throat> and ultimately, I came up with a, a framework that informed what Jolie became. And I thought about, I was on vacation and I was like, there's got to be a better product that works for e-commerce. And here's what that framework ultimately became. A product that focuses on vanity because we really buy things. A, a lot of our decisions are like how we look and feel. Yeah. A product that is standard in size, and plumbing in America is one size fits all, as it is for most of the world. And the third was around behavior, like a product that we use habitually every single day without consideration. Something yeah. you do all the time, and we shower pretty much every day, mm -hmm. unless you're Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I came back from that vacation, I whiteboarded that, and I sort of looked at it for years, literally years, and then one day, um, I was noticing like my calves were getting dry. I was like, this is odd. I'm using a lot more lotion. And I was like, maybe there's something in the water, and in particular my water. So I started researching water in Brooklyn, dove deeper, realized that all of the water in North America is contaminated with things that will dry your skin, hair, and, and, and oftentimes like cause health issues depending mm. on where you live. So I put that on the board, like water, and then one day I had a shower thought. I was literally in the shower. At this point I had sold grates to Steve Madden and I was showering and I'm like, I'm gonna create a beauty wellness company that purifies your water for better skin, hair, and health. <laughs> and it like hit me like a lightning wow. bolt. And that, that moment started to offboard from the business, started working on Jolie in COVID, like building it literally from the ground up. And we launched, uh, you know, we're a year and a half old, so wow. here we are. It's phenomenal. I love that. It's a, for a brand that's kind of like, you're in this cross-section between, like I said, beauty and hardware, right? Just on a marketing perspective, how do you sell somebody on something that in this landscape of like skincare, you have like a hundred different oils, lotions, collagen, like there's so many solutions to this problem. How do you enter that being an entirely different subcategory of like hardware? Um, really good question. Uh, I, I think the beauty industry at large has been prescriptive. So there are plenty of um, solutions as they call them right. for all kinds of ailments. Yeah. The issue is they're not solving the problem or the source of the problem. In many instances, water is that source of the problem. So they're helping you alleviate the issue, but they're not solving where the problem started. And that was sort of like a, the aha moment of Jolie. Like if we fix the water, then you, if you knew, if you use no products, you're going to be better off. And right. if you do use products, you're going to have a greater efficacy for whatever that product brand thing is you're, you're using. That was our thesis. That's turned out to be true. A year and a half in, we have about 80,000 customers and an overwhelming amount of content that they've created talking about you know, everything from unboxing the product to installing the product and then what it's doing for them. Mm. What is the efficacy they're experiencing? 
I no longer have to use this product because my hair is no longer reacting that way. I no longer need this much solution because my skin is no longer as dry because it's the chlorine is not stripping away my, my skin of all the essential oils. So we are really solving a problem that the beauty industry as a whole sort of ignored right. forever. Right. No, I think that's even like one of our problems is um, for collagen, right? It, again, it, it becomes a solution for, you know, better hair, skin and nails, right? But it's, it's often reactive and it's not preventative, right? It, what you're selling is a solution that is preventative so that you almost don't need any of these other things. And like, I mean, just sitting on the table with you, it's, it's, it's almost like, we're, we're competitors, right? Because we're not solving- We're complementary. We don't think yeah. we're- Yeah, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, right? We're not saying don't take collagen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but exactly what you said is, is you're, taking, you're, 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 you're taking better showers, and then you're adding on the additional product that, that kind of layers into the benefits too, right? Um, so when it comes to like, I guess, the, the traditional like, you know, digital marketing, Facebook, Meta, and things like that, in this, in this climate, right? How have you kind of combated some of these issues that are happening, like rising CACs? Um, are you doing anything, you know, untraditional and unconventional? Tapcart is the easiest way to turn your Shopify store into a native mobile shopping app that your customers will love. Instantly turn your Shopify store into an epic mobile app, no coding required, and get up and running in less than two weeks. So take advantage of their best deal of the year by booking a 30-minute demo at tapcart.com slash chew on this. That's tapcart.com forward slash chew on this. Now, let's get back to the episode. The market today would think they're unconventional, but the truth is they're not. They're just sort of the original way people marketed before the internet. Right. And it's been our position that, and this is before launch, and this was very strategic, I said, look, people influence people no matter what. So they use different vehicles for that. But if you think about, if you have a friend that you really like their style and you go to dinner with them and they're wearing something, maybe they're wearing a Mad Happy sweatshirt yeah. and you're like, wow, that's a really cool sweatshirt. That's influence right there in that moment. And you'll go home after that dinner and research a brand that that person was wearing, right? Yep. That's been going on for decades. That's just the way it worked before the internet. And then somewhere along the line, everybody started to believe like, oh, internet, and that's the only way to market. Right. It's not. Yeah. So we focus on, call them in real life marketing tactics. I want people talking about Jolie and what water is to their skin, hair, and beauty routine everywhere. I want them talking about a dinner, going to a party, going to a, an event. I just want them to talk about it. So we do that offline first, and then and then we enhance it with online. And we found it to be such a differentiator from like our peers of like how they market. And but I but uh, the results are this. Right. We've grown in a way that is really unchallenged, unprecedented. We had first year in business, we had five thousand pieces of unique UGC created. Well, five thousand pieces in one year. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. Why? because we were giving product to creators to just say, tell us what you think. Could have been negative, by the way. Could have been like, I hate this thing. Right. Fortunately for us, it wasn't. This year we'll do 10,000 pieces of product. So we're seeding product into the market to creators, not big celebrity influencers, although we have plenty of them now, but it's just people, if you had 50 followers, and I, I just believe that if you talked about Jolie in a positive way, 
and then posted it on Instagram or TikTok, that one of your followers will buy it. I can't measure that. Right. And I don't care because I know how we behave as, as humans. Like you, you, there's people you respect, you, you follow them digitally and there's people you know in real life and they are going to influence your behavior. That's what we focused on. So do you even have parameters that you set for these like creators anymore? Like is, is it tech? Like obviously there is some guardrails there, but yeah, um, we're not like giving it to like, you know, people right. that voted for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> you voted. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. There are parameters, but they're very loose. Okay. I would say there's buckets, right? There's, there's certain groups that, Hey, this person, we wouldn't, we're not going to pay them, but we're happy to have them make content. And this group of people, maybe we will even white label off their off their account and like spend some media dollars because we found that that piece of content did really well organically. So let's invest in it. So there's buckets, um, but we look at it as in verticals. Mm -hmm. So we don't just look at beauty people. We look at fitness. We look at hairstylists. We look at dog walkers, interesting chefs, creatives, artists. We think those are all people that shower. So <laughs> everybody. <laughs> so let's like, how do we fit into their conversation? Yeah. And we spend a lot of time thinking about how we fit into their conversation. Right. Um, and generally, we can always find a creative way to do that. Can or cannot? Can. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's it's just figuring out that product market fit for like each category of person, right? Like you said, the hairstylist, right? naturally there's that that connection between you know hair and, and 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 wanting to grow out healthier hair but then things like artists and and you know like chefs like how do how do you even relate the two the first event we ever did pre-launch was around food really and we worked with this chef who created food in different states of being of water so steam, vapor, frozen. And we talked about the importance of water to these sort of pieces of food. That was event number one, pre-launch. Then we did another event with oysters because oysters are a natural water filter. Yeah. They're really, really critical for the diversity of clean oceans and bays. So we did a, an event, like an oyster and wine event. And in the front of the restaurant, we had one fish tank filled with water from the East River with no oysters and another that we put the 16 oysters in. And by the two hours after the event, two hours later, this one was perfectly clear and this one was still murky. And, and the tie-in was, this is a natural water filter. Jolie's a water filter. Wow. So we're, yeah. we are not out there with like big sort of like banners behind us talking right. about, you know, by Jolie. We're just tying yeah. things into the life of people that and then telling creative stories and how it how it sort of fits into their life in as many indirect ways and we find that to be way more effective incredible um i think it'd be really cool to you know when you look at this kind of d to c space and and cpg space you know uh, food beverage even supplements aside right you don't see as much in the hardware space kind of pop up and also grow quickly right um, I want to go into like a little bit of like the operations end because I, I feel like it's it's such a cool space to like understand. Um, you thought about creating a shower head that can filter water in the shower, right? Step two 
Was it getting a product engineer? Like, was it you designing it? And, and like, how'd you source it? If you can go into the operations piece, especially during a time like COVID, when things are like shut down and prices for even bringing anything over <laughs> is ridiculous. Like, how'd you go through those challenges? Um, because I feel like you probably built this at one of the most challenging times of communication, but also that could have been maybe your big advantage. Um, so curious. Well, there was nobody crazy enough to start a business or try to build a piece of hardware inside of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so we had like no, one, we're creating a market. Two, we did it in COVID. So we had no competition and, yeah. and still don't. Um, I've built a startup before. I've raised capital and I sold it to a publicly traded company. There's not a lot of people on the planet that have ever done that. Right. So that gave me sort of, a, I wouldn't even call it an advantage. I would just say education mm. on how it's done. A lot of lessons. So I think we had an advantage there where like there was some familiarity to like, how we're gonna do this. The design, I was very clear, like we knew exactly what we wanted to look like. So unlike a lot of brands, I don't go to a design agency say, hey, I have an idea, tell me what it should look like. Yeah. We said, here's what it should look like. Now I can't do CAD, but I, could, I told them exactly how it had to look. And we wanted it to be elegant and beautiful and memorable so that when you go to somebody's home and you go into the restroom and you look in the shower by the shape identity, you will know that's a Jolie. The way that you know when somebody has a nest yep. thermostat, right? They did a great job at the, the ID, the design ID of that product. And it sort of, now you go there and you're like, oh, I have a nest and you talk about it and everybody loves it. We wanted that to happen. Again, that's conversation. Cool. So the design had to be memorable. We've surveyed our customers. 40% of them have no idea what brand of shower head they're replacing Jolie <laughs> with. So like there's the white space of yeah, owning true. the brand of like a shower yeah. is, is very clear. That was our approach. So we hired a, a, a design team, mm. like experts in actually getting it designed the way you, know, you would present to a factory, source the factory. To this day, and this is very uncommon and rare, and it makes me still uncomfortable, I've not been to our factory. <laughs> which is just sort of a, like, hey, we're gonna spend millions of dollars yeah, on you, yeah. and I've never met them, except for Zoom. <laughs> Zoom so, okay. you know, in China was shut, we make it in Asia, and, and they were shut down up until very recently. So we will go there, right. but the business has gone from zero <laughs> to somewhere yeah. without us ever visiting I'm factory. sure they'll welcome you with open arms. Oh yeah, we have, a, we, have a great, we have a great relationship and they're incredible. And like without them, you know, working through COVID in, oh, yeah. in a very difficult environment, um, this would not be here. But yeah, it was definitely challenging. And on, on, on like one other note, in like in terms of when you're looking at a product that is relying on an overseas production and then an import, right? Um, how, how are you kind of, I, I guess, how did you kind of work through looking at things like the cost of freight or the, the With cost tremendous of fear yeah. and depression. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how we looked at yeah. it. I mean, it was the same for everybody though. So that, that's sort of where, um, it, we knew it was not going to be a forever problem. Yeah. And we knew that everybody was going through the same thing that we were going through. So that you can't, you can't forecast market conditions. Mm. You can only operate as best you can within them. And we did. We, That's look, a sound we, bite. <laughs> we, were, we were air freighting product because we launched yeah. 
it sold out so fast, we just started had to start catching up. Um, so it was extra expensive. Fortunately, we built a margin inside the product mm. that allowed us to have a lot more margin than most first-time founders put on their product when yeah. they start a business. They yeah. just don't realize like there's going to be these unforeseen things that happen. So let's let's get as much margin as we can. We have right. to be a profitable business. Full stop. If we're not a profitable business, we can't employ people. We can't serve our customer. You have to get profitable, and that was sort of our mission. So um, we had a lot of margin to sort of play with. So talking a little bit about that, right? Was there any strategies that went into, I guess, like price testing at all, or yeah. did you kind of launch with a price and that was? We it? didn't price test. We didn't launch with a price and test it. We price surveyed pre-launch. Okay. So we surveyed you know, 500 potential customers over what the price would be for an item like this and wanted to understand the elasticity of what their willingness to pay would be. So we had a ton of data mm -hmm. and we priced it sort of, we could price it higher. That was, the, that was sort of the takeaway. Mm -hmm. We're like, look, let's not go to the total top, but let's like go towards the top and definitely not like definitely not in the bottom. Right. And we didn't really care like what the average price of a shower head was because we're not a showerhead company. Yeah. We're a beauty wellness product. This is going to sit inside that budget. Women in America on average spend over $2500 a year on hair, skin and process like, you know, color. Purification, and cuts. yeah. So, we felt that the price we landed at was a really great deal. On top of that, it's going to provide value to the products they're spending a fortune on. Like mm -hmm. some women are spending $400 on an eye cream. Well, this allows you to make, makes it work better because it doesn't have to work as hard. Love that. Just so, because a lot of like beginners and found like initial founders that listen to the podcast, how do you even go about surveying five hundred people? Like, what is that? We process hired like? an agency that you know one of the best consumer survey agencies in the country that is used by all the big consulting firms like McKinsey and BCG. Right. Um, that's what we did. Yeah, that's the proper way to do it. It is it's the proper like, way to yeah. do it. Yeah. It costs it, not it, texting your friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, your friends are going to be biased. Yeah. Although yeah. we've done that shit before too. Yeah, like, I, we yeah. we do that too. But this was a really critical um, piece of data that we needed. Like, what is somebody willing to pay? It wasn't yeah. like asking ten friends over beers. It was like I need to know from five hundred real consumers, and I don't know how to really access them, and I yeah. need to do it in the next ten days. So, yeah. like, let's go hire the professionals, yeah. mm. and. A lot of first-time founders would never spend the few thousand dollars yeah, that that definitely. cost, but the value of that few thousand dollars is literally what got us profitable in six months. Because mm -hmm. if I priced it wrong, we don't get through the price increase in freight profitably. We don't like we were too low. We were too high. Like, yeah. so it's really important. That's solid. So I know we mentioned you know the traditional digital you know Meta, Instagram, Facebook ads. Um, you mentioned influencer marketing. Is there anything else that you guys are doing that you don't see a lot of brands doing right now? We're doing non-traditional out of home. Um, I would say traditional is more like a billboard. And we're doing a billboard, but they're on these sort of delivery trucks. And one of you guys, was it, who texted yeah, me yesterday? Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yesterday was actually, this is so random. Yeah. And like, this is how, this is the shit I look for. This is a relatively unmeasurable billboard. Yeah. It's on a truck, it drives around all day in New York, we got five of them. 
for four months. Yesterday was the first day. You texted me literally like three hours into the thing before we got, right when we yeah. got on the road. Like, hey man, yeah. who are you using? And I'm like, okay, that's all I need. That's all <laughs> the validation I need because I don't care about the measurement as much yeah. on this stuff. Right. Because one, the cost is nothing close to what you would be spending so on, yeah. on prospecting on Facebook. Um, and two, we know it just sort of, it's like a surround sound. We just want people again to sort of like, oh, there's a jolly truck. That doesn't mean they're like stopping what they're doing and going to the website and buying it that right. second, right. but it's going to resonate. Yeah. We've had you say it and probably 30 other people that we know in literally 24 hours. It's going to work. I, I texted the guy last night. I'm like, how many trucks do you have? I need more trucks yeah. <laughs> because I want them to just like surround the city and everybody see it. Now, complemented with digital ads, right? So like, we're not just doing one, you sort of have to do them all. Right. I, I say that knowing that this is a function of budget and not everybody has the ability to sort of do multiple things. They sort of have to pick the lane. The second thing we do that is not, mo many brands are not doing, I'm giving away all my secrets. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> should I charge for this stuff? Should, we st should I start a marketing agency on the side? You just start a podcast. My co-founder and I start talk about it all the time. Like, his name is Arjun. And like maybe, maybe we should do consulting because like people suck at this. Um, <laughs> we we do these um, like sidewalk stickers with really funny slogans like you know um, that door handle is dirtier than your martini mm -hmm. or your shower water is dirtier than ma martini. Mm -hmm. um, and we place those out in front of bars or like your shower water is dirtier than that subway handle. So like we're placing these in strategic areas. Mm -hmm where people are trafficking yep. and just have these fun slogans. And we're doing that now in New York, LA, Chicago, wow. and Miami. So on that sticker, does that have the website? Is it like a QR code? It has a QR code. They're incredibly vivid. It's not about being elegant right. in, the, in, the, in that moment. That moment is meant to just get your eye to read that thing and see the Jolie name. Yeah. There is a there is a QR code. Yeah. We don't actually think people are going to click it right. we, or scan it. We just, we know they're not. Yeah. But I would say, think about how many ads run in front of people and how many, you know, how many people see it and how many people click it. Yeah. The click-through rate is dog shit. Right. I think, I think the biggest thing here is that people's attention spans are so minimal that any way you can capture attention, you're going to win, right? So to your point of, you know, doing these unconventional marketing methods, whether it's the stickers or the trucks or whatever else, I think layering that into the digital, right? It, it, it really helps, I guess, the blended numbers, right? And then when you talk about like measuring and, and things like that, especially for the out-of-home stuff, it's tough, right? Because you may not see an immediate ROI, but I think what brand you, owners- You won't. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's the thing. You, <laughs> you won't, won't see an immediate yeah. no, ROI you, you at all. you definitely won't. It's, and especially if you're like, okay, this truck has this URL and you're checking for traffic and there's no, like, it's not gonna work that way. It might be zero. It might be zero. But what you, I think a lot of brands have to understand is that continue doing what you're doing and seeing if that on a blended approach, are we seeing more efficiency on Facebook because more people are kind of funnel, like getting into the funnel are we seeing maybe, I mean, I would imagine you guys have post-purchase surveys set up. Like, um, I know you just started yesterday, but I'm sure people we, might drop in. Hey, I saw this on a truck. For, for sure. 
you know? But but we this is the hard part. Most brands that are reliant on paid have a cash flow issue. Right. Yeah. So so brands are like driving the cash flow and they need an immediate return. I'm spending 10, I'm getting 20, because that's the cash right. that they're living off of for yeah. the rest of the time of the until company. they either raise capital or get profitable. That's the issue, right? It's not it's not that Facebook is all bad. It's not. We spend plenty of money there. We are profitable, so we have the ability to round out the experience and we're not reliant and never strategically we're like, we're not gonna be reliant on this to drive our business health. That's what it comes down to. So if you're starting, you have a great opportunity to say, hey, I don't care what, I'm taking 45% or 50% of my budget, I'm gonna do these other things that are not gonna be measurable, I have to commit to them for, I, I, I usually say like six months, then start layering digital and when these things work in conjunction, you will see a much more efficient business if you've already gone the other way and you're all digital and you're relying on the paid now to just drive cash flow, that's, that's a, a tricky spot. Right. And I recognize that. One of the themes we ended season one with was um, Ash and I kind of went into like, what were some of the biggest learnings or mistakes we've made? Forget even learnings, just some mistakes we made while building Obvi, um, whether they were, you know, recent or, or, or over the course of time of building. Um, you know, we all talk about a lot of the great things we're all doing. Um, but maybe if you've, you've made a couple mistakes, it'd be great I've to kind of- I've made thousands of mistakes. <laughs> thousands, guys. Like, uh, all of them. I made them all. Yeah, if you can share one or two mistakes that have been, like, pretty eye-opening for you um, that you probably didn't see coming um, and uh, would love for people to kind of, you know, learn from that, too. So I, I will say that most of the mistakes and the learnings were in the, like, in grades. I'm still, we're still making mistakes with Jolie, but they're not nearly as- broad right um and this is a simple one and i talk i've touched on it margin this is a thing that you can actually control before you launch or anytime during your business you can decide tomorrow and i don't know what your margin is but i'm saying like if you raise your price four dollars you get a better margin now your belief might be like we can't charge four dollars more because the market is four dollars less and that could be a discussion but you can change your margin profile overnight yeah most first-time founders don't really appreciate what a product margin means to the business. So that's number one. That was like a huge, huge lesson, and we made sure we did not make that mistake with Jolie. And it, it, it helped us through COVID. Like literally, it made it so we could do these things and could air freight and still make money. Like that's, that's insane. huge. Another big one was, and this was not a mistake, it was just a reinforcement that the world got convinced that digital marketing was better than any other marketing because you can measure it and we prioritize measurement. And, and that is not, that does not mean it's good. Mm. It just means it's measurable. And if you look at the performance of any, take the best fucking marketer you know, their performance is not that good. They might eke out a first purchase profit. They might, most of them don't. We, we certainly do, but we're not relying on the channel. But if you look at the brands that are really relying on the channel, you guys know, you guys know, you go know that space much better than I do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at your face and you're like, yeah, none of them are making money. Okay, the lesson is offline non-measured stuff support paid measured stuff. So if you're not doing this, this thing is just gonna be completely inefficient. What and it doesn't change with budget. It doesn't mean like if I had $5 million, 
we're going to make it work. You will not. I fucking guarantee it 100%. You know why? Because Facebook built the most efficient marketing platform in the world for Facebook. Yeah. Facebook makes their quarter every quarter. They, made it, they missed a few last year, but they're back on track because right. they just dial in the algo. It's like, hey, the willingness for this guy to pay $100 CAC he said it, he put it, he programmed it into the fucking thing. He showed us, cool, we're gonna charge them 102. Right to the edge. They never say, oh, we think we can combine that customer for 50, ever. So those are the two, those are my two sort of lessons. That's well said. Offline stuff really does work. It just takes longer and it's hard to measure. Yeah. And margin is critical. Now, but now, Obviously, let's say there's this the, a good sector of, of founders who, like you said, don't have the cash flow to do the offline, right? Um, besides saying, hey, you should have rethought your business maybe or consider <laughs> rethinking it. What are, if you were put in a position where you were to build out a business that is kind of stuck to needing cash flow and needing to be between three or four digital platforms in advertising, right? Is there some things that you would do that you're seeing that people aren't doing or or, or would there be a different approach on it um, that you'd take? Um, putting maybe a little bit more on the spot of, of no, thinking. No, it's not on the, I'm really trying to, I want to be helpful. Yeah. Like, honestly, like any founder that ever asked me for guidance or help, yeah. I'm, I, I will make time for that. I think it's part of our culture. We have to do that. Correct. Um, and at this moment in this market, there's a lot that need help. I think you have to make some really tough tough decisions and you know if you can find a way first of all every brand is different and their circumstances are always unique yeah. i also believe there's always a way so like founder's job just figure out a way it's like turn red lights to green lights that's what we do that's our job so figure you know just start trying things hoping that it's going to change is not the answer mm -hmm. um if you had a product that you could seed, do more seeding, because the cost of goods is always less than the acquisition cost on paid. That takes work. It means like, holy shit, we're gonna go out and seed our collagen to a thousand people in the next six months. Sounds like a crazy number. You do the math on the cost of goods, you're like, it's really not that much money. Right. And it's not even cash. It's just sort of like product that we already have. So let's do that. And let's try to see if we can get more organic content movement which will support our paid movement. And maybe that clicks over like, like there are, that's what I would recommend if I were in that situation. Although I appreciate how hard it is to do. That's great. One of the biggest uh, pillars to Avi has been um, the community, right? It's what we use for just that, that, that to close that loop on you know, feedback and, you know, what products that customers want, what changes we can make and, and how do we make the experience overall better? Um, for you, how important is community and how does that tie into the brand? I, I mean, any brand selling a product, right? Community is essential because community is consumer, customer. They're the same thing. Some, cu some customers become advocates, which is really what you want. Right. And that becomes the, the, like the base of the community where this like conversation exists. For, for Jolie, our growth is powered by customers who then became advocates who are essentially sort of talking about Jolie, sharing more 
content. And that is like strategy number one, get people to talk about water, which means they're gonna create content online, tell them what their, what their showers, what Jolie's doing. Somebody else is gonna come into that community and the flywheel goes. And we've seen that grow from 5,000 pieces of content last year to on track to do 10,000 pieces this year. And, and here's what it really does. And this is like, you guys are marketers in my mind, so I hope that you're not offended by, by that. No. The more organic content we get from the customer slash community, the more we can actually spend efficiently. Mm -hmm. Spending more is easy. It's just like, spend more. Spending more efficiently, meaning, and our, our tolerance is first purchase profitability, full stop, that's it. We have been able to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars per month and still make money and not have CAC go off the fucking rails. Where everybody else in this market, CAC is just sort of unmanageable. The only difference, we have this crazy organic content machine Spiral, that yeah. is just growing and growing. So community is an essential right. for what we do. Yeah. When you say you're, you went from 5,000 pieces of uh, UGC to, to 10,000, right? Is there any tactical pieces of advice to give people on how do you actually get that from people? This is the hard part. Yeah. It is just pure work. The first thing we did pre-launch, we put together an Excel sheet of 1,200 people. They, they were bucketed. So like, it wasn't about followers as much as it, what is their interest, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then we started DMing them. And like, that's how we started. Yeah. Arjun and I were DMing, then Charlotte, who was our first hire. Like we just started like boom, 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 boom. And off we went. We've gotten that more sophisticated and there is a sort of process that we have, but it's still manual. There's still people reaching out. We're also getting inbounds now, probably 50 to 60 a day. It's like, hey, I'd love to create some content for Jolie. And all you gotta do is send me one. Yeah. So like, it's a two way at this yeah. point, but in the beginning it was just, manual work and again back to like the world we're in of digital marketers which is basically all marketers at this point they want immediate response and they want measurement we were like fuck that we we know this is going to take longer but mm -hmm. it's going to work better right. and we had to sort of have blind faith for six months because we we didn't know what was going to happen but we were committed for like we're going to do this for six months and then we're gonna look back and look at MER and see if it like improved over time. And right. it, of course it did. We're like, we're sticking to this plan. This is working. Right. So when you are sourcing, I guess, a, a seeding, right? Are you, what's your priority? Is it the reach that this creator has or is it the content that comes with it? It's really just the content. Yeah. Because we believe again I, you know if you have 50 followers i truly believe if you talked about that soda or drink you're drinking one of your Just followers at least go to the website right doesn't mean they're going to purchase it right but if you think about conversion from paid traffic 98 percent of them don't buy either mm -hmm. so like what's you know so i just believe that you have more influence over your 50 people right. than facebook has over 500 million right Makes i think sense. we can prove that even though i can't measure it and then the second part is sort of, um, well, I forgot what the second part was. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the original question? It was, is like, okay, so f it sounds almost like you, you want to find content creators that are good at what they do so that within whatever reach they do have, it is convincing enough to get 
one or two of their followers. Yeah, reach has nothing to do with it. Now, now, and this was the second part. TikTok, it's not like we 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 don't gate anybody off, but what we what we see on the side of TikTok because the algorithm is still wide open, and, it, and this is why we love TikTok. Anybody can go viral. Right. You can't really do that on Instagram anymore. They just don't allow it. They just right. close that aperture. We've had regular people create a video on TikTok and get 15 million views. Jeez. And we've seen it correlate with like two hours of ridiculous yeah. revenue. And we're going, well, what happened today? Well, that happened. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it must be from that. Right. Can I like, do I, can I track it to the number? I'm like, no, but no. do I have a pretty good sense? It's like, yes. Right. So that's where TikTok is super, super valuable to us. Um, but it's not about how many followers they right. have. Right. So I guess I guess is is TikTok that that platform that you guys are mainly searching for influencers now, or are you still kind of going for Instagram, YouTube? I I think anybody that's in the influencer business as an influencer is using all the channels. Everything. So yeah. we don't go oh only TikTok or right. only this. We just like hey, do we like their content? Right. Do they have an interesting point of view? Mm -hmm. We sort of like. There's like A listers, B listers, and then F F. But F is still good for us. We're right. just like. Hey, they're gonna sell one unit. I really believe that. Yeah. And then CAC becomes cost of goods plus shipping. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Th yeah. That's what it costs. Yeah. Which will I can tell you, for any product in any brand, will always be less unless you're selling Ferraris than CAC. Than CAC. <laughs> so, well, like so. right now, how many people do you think you're, you're seating on a? How many people do you think you're reaching out to on a weekly basis? Hundreds. Yeah. I think I think you just have to. It's a and he, game. If you, and the funny thing is, like even that conversation is a like, like there's this DM conversation that's creating anticipation from the creator. Mm -hmm. Then when they get it, they're so excited, they're immediately probably prioritizing that over a box of twenty five things that they didn't want. Right. It it really is amazing how this this thing has sort of spiraled. Um, and we knew it would work, but truthfully, I didn't really, I didn't believe it would work. So fast. No. To this level, like yeah. if we send out 10, we're getting seven people to make content. So like our hit rate it's is insane. crazy. I think that comes from the product, product. and a being product. a market creator yeah. as opposed to like one of many, right. right? If you're like a pair of sneakers and there's 500 sneaker brands, I don't think you get the 70% hit rate. That's right. right. But that's, you know, that we got lucky with that. Yeah. So at the end of it, the product really matters. <laughs> oh, right. Is, is what you're saying. That was a lesson. <laughs> product does matter. Product does matter. What's next? Where, where is, what is your goal with Jolie? Is it to sell to one day uh, another public company? Is it to uh, pass this down to your, to your 18 month old, um, you know, what is, what's your goal there? And, and, and kind of what are the next immediate steps to get there? God, I'd never subject my son to like being, <laughs> taking over a startup. Um, I'm not that cruel. <laughs> you know, then we're really maniacally focused on operating and executing the business as it's working. This business is being built to sell. Really, I think in the end, this was a oh, this is a really important lesson. In the first time, I wasn't honest with myself. I wasn't honest that like I want to build this and sell it. I was like, I'm just going to create this great brand. Hopeful if I do that, there'll be this great outcome. The outcome happened, but I wasn't really honest with myself 
on what I wanted. This time, super honest, like we're building this to sell. Love when, it. don't know, but we are building it to sell. How do we do that? Raise limited capital, own most of the business, get profitable really fast, check, 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 done that. Now we're in position. We're making money. We can do whatever we want when we want. That's mm -hmm. very different than I'm going to go out and raise venture capital, which I did in the first one. I'm going to be reliant on or at least managing a team of investors and board. Super, super distracting. Not focused on business. Wasn't honest with the, like, I should sell it rather than just raise money. Yep. Very different. Um, so we've built a really elegant business that can have, it has optionality. And that's what, we, that's what I wanted and that's what we're doing. And that's what's next. Like the next is just operate this business profitably. And then when we think it gets big enough, which will likely be within the next 12 months, we can, we can go sell it. Awesome. Um, I have a question, which I think like it, it came actually from my wife. Okay. And, uh, I'm curious if you've gotten it before and I'm curious how you tackle it. Um, so I was talking to her, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm super excited about our podcast recording today. And she was like, Oh, what's the company, this and that. So I was telling her about it and she's like, this is super cool, but I don't want to replace my rain shower head. Right. Um, and she was like, maybe like, I, can I get this in another bathroom of ours and I'll take showers there in it, but I don't want to replace the aesthetic of my rain shower head. Right. Is that, do you look at that and say, that's not my demo then? Not they don't a, no, enough? not at all. I look at it and go, we'll, def we'll ultimately do a rain shower. Mm. Um, we're just at that stage of the business where, again, distraction, maniacally focuses on execution. Part of that means it's an exercise in restraint. We know there's millions of women like your wife yeah. that have a rain shower and want a rain shower. We will build a rain shower right. version of Jolie. We're just not doing it today. Just like there's millions of people that want a handheld version. We will build mm. that, just not today. And I think this is where we sort of have, to, like timing is really critical. If, if, if we weren't growing at a velocity that is, and like the, the number's so crazy, you're like, okay, why would we do, why would we, and these are all in our product roadmap and have been from the beginning. And 18 months ago, I thought we'd be releasing product number two. We're not, it's on hold because this part of the business is like taking off. Right. So we're like, we'll do product number two when this goes like that. Yeah. When it starts to sort of hit there, which we see no sign of happening for like two years, wow. then we'll go to product number two. So let's focus on product number one, offer it in more finishes because that we definitely know is a need. Um, we started with six colors, we're down to three. We sold through three, we didn't bring them back. We'll bring back new ones. Then we'll bring back the product. The, the roadmap, but so no, it's not um, not our demo. It's can't do right now. Yeah, and if you do, if you try to do too much at the wrong time, it's not even doing too much. If you try to do something that's taking away from you know five thousand percent growth, yeah, you're distracting that growth. Like, don't right. do that. Don't do that. Yeah, stay on that until it goes to Focus. three thousand. Focus. Focus. And one other piece was retention for this product. Is it get this in to more of your bathrooms in your home? Or is it we're first order profitable when we create the next innovation piece, that's when we'll 
you know, figure out retention or, or is it referral is the new retention? Like what is? Well, you know, we, we didn't touch on this, but Jolie is a subscription-based business. It's a, you, you need to replace the filter every 90 days on average mm. um, for it to work. For, like it just will stop filtering. It, it can't work any longer. So about 80% of all first-time customers are subscribers. And in 18 months, we've lost 2.3% in churn. So, oh. so, so that means we have a 97% retention rate in our subscription. Jeez. That is a very, the, the number is unparalleled. Like yeah. we, we took a chart of the best churn businesses in the world, Netflix being like number one, and we're much better than Netflix. <laughs> so there's a reason for that. And we think that one, you're, the utility is daily. You're doing this every day. You're looking at Jolie literally on the faceplate you, you've now seen the results in the first day, but you've been using it for 90 days. You're not leaving. You're not taking this out because the value it provides you is so high. Focus on your vanity, you're not taking it out. So that churn number is illustrative of the benefit we're giving to people. That's our, that's our business. Do we sell a second unit to your second bathroom? Sure. sure. But that our focus is, is that. And it's not even a focus. It's it's sort of like, it's what happened. Yeah. It's like, this has just happened. Nobody's leaving. Let's keep providing value. Get new customers. It's awesome. Drop the mic. Good night. I could go for two hours. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've learned quite a lot <laughs> in in such a short amount of time um if you had to pick one right this is what we do at the end of the show you know we, we pick one chew that we want to to have everybody chew on um what what is that for you what do you want everybody to leave this podcast with what's that one takeaway i want everybody to rethink their marketing budget and like how they allocate that budget and why if you're prioritizing measurement and you know the measurement is still not driving a profit, there's something wrong with the channel. So why the fuck are you still doing it? Like, like seriously, it, the, it. the best practices, and I, I've posted this recently, like best practices in our industry are bullshit. They're usually bullshit in every industry. They just become things that we're comfortable with, but why? And, and we should be challenging all the time because your job is to get a profitable business in the end. Like raising the most money, doesn't get you the not a win failing not you know it could be a win and that you learn but it's not what you want yep. for your company how do you get to profitability if you keep doing the same things over and over and over and over and they're not getting you closer to that goal then you need to change and it generally is the biggest budget on everybody's PL is marketing spend and it's all going to like usually one place not driving profitability for thousands of businesses Challenge that. Love it. Chew on that. Chew on that. Chew, that chew on that. <laughs> <laughs> if you want more from us, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, and check out the website, chewonthis.io.